You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. This is Theology for the Rest of Us, and I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the great metropolis of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I am so glad to have you. This is episode 272, and in this episode, I'm going to be bringing you an interview that I had a chance to do with a personal friend of mine and great author, uh, Aubrey Sampson. This is actually the second time uh, I had her on the show. I had her on the podcast oh way back when I first launched. Um, it feels like it was probably close to three years ago, if not more now. Um, but she just has a new book out, her second book, and it's called The Louder Song. And it's all about the concept of lamenting. Um, many times in our lives, we, we're kind of up against um, up against it, so to speak. We're, we're, we're in difficult situations. We, we face grief, we face difficulties, and we don't know how to always grapple through what we're feeling, the, the emotions, the attitudes, the sentiments. Uh, we don't always know how to appropriately respond. And, and sometimes the only thing that is actually really helpful to us in certain moments is appropriate lamenting. And that's what we're going to talk about in this interview. I mean, it's an incredibly, incredibly powerful concept, and I'm really, really excited uh, to bring you uh, this interview. Uh, In the interview, Aubrey talks extensively about the power of lament. Uh, She defines what lamenting actually is, and then she talks about, as she does in her book, uh, some of the models, some of the biblical models uh, for lamenting and how that can be helpful in in the life of the believer. So I think this is going to be an incredible, incredible resource and value uh, to all of you listening. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, Aubrey's an author. Uh, She's a blogger, speaker. Uh, She is the director of discipleship at uh, her local church in the Chicagoland area, Renewal Church. Uh, The lead pastor there is her husband, Kevin, who has also become a personal friend of mine uh, over the last few years, and I have come to absolutely love them. Aubrey is not just a great author and speaker and teacher, um, but but again, her uh, she and her husband are, are personal friends of mine. They are great parents. They are people who love their church. They love their community. And I think uh, her words and insights are valuable and trustworthy. So I'm really, really excited to uh, bring this to you. So without further ado, here is my interview with Aubrey Sampson. <laughs> And we are on the line with Aubrey Sampson from the great state of Illinois. Aubrey, so great to have you back on the show. Hi, Kenny. So good to be here. Uh, I just gave the audience a preamble intro, so they are familiar to to some extent with who you are. Um, and not you are not just an interview guest, uh, but I count you and your husband as friends. And so, really, really excited. Really, really, really excited for the audience to to hear from you. Uh, before we get to any content of the book, um, tell tell the audience just from your perspective, who you are, what you do, and give us the short version of how you ended up to where you are today. Yeah. Um, so like Kenny said, my name is Aubrey Sampson, and I am a, a mom, and I've got three boys, and been a wife for 18 years. Kevin and I just celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Incredible. God is so good to us. Um, I am a church planter with my husband, Kevin, and I um, serve on the preaching team and do discipleship and equipping for our church at uh, Renewal Church in West Chicago. 
I also am an author, of course, and a speaker. I write for Propel Women. And um, I'm a graduate student at Wheaton College, getting my master's in evangelism and leadership. And I've been in ministry for a long time, so this is just sort of the road that the Lord has taken me on. And thankfully, he's given me the opportunity to write this second book, um, The Louder Song, which I'm really excited about. That is really, really fantastic. Um, uh, your first book, uh, I read. I've given it away multiple times. Yeah, uh, awesome. Fantastic content and really, really excited to promote this. So, Aubrey Sampson, tell us, uh, why did you write this book? You know, Give us the the the, 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 the big story, the, you know, kind of the big, bigger picture as to why this book should exist. Yeah. Um, so three years ago, I guess it's almost been four years ago now, uh, Kevin and I, it was the same week that Kevin and I were opening the doors to our church plant, Renewal Church. And it was the same week that my first book, Overcomer, that you mentioned was coming out. Um, so this incredible week, week, right? We're celebrating all that God is doing and kind of the fruition of our dreams that we had been praying about and, and working towards for years were happening in the span of one week. And I woke up uh, in the middle of that week and inexplicably was unable to walk. I literally could put no pressure on my legs whatsoever. And it got to the point where Kevin was um, like carrying me around the house. And I, at the time I was a runner. So I thought I had just done some like, you know, damage to my knees or something. And so I tried, you know, rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. It did yep. not work. And I had a friend actually come over, a neighbor. And she said, um, I think you need to go to the hospital. Like this is not normal. So Kevin took me to the emergency room and I ended up being diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune disease, which like millions of Americans deal with. Um, mine is called rheumatoid arthritis or rheumatoid disease and my body basically thinks my joints are enemies and attacks my joints. Um, so that was happening uh, the same week that all these amazing things were happening. But then the other thing that was going on is my um, cousin Cameron, who I grew up with, and spent summers with and was like an uncle to my kids. He was um, snowshoe hiking in Crater Lake National Park, Oregon, and he fell off the side of the cliff, never to be seen or heard from again. Wow. So um, we were grieving, my family was grieving, um, my kids were even grieving, because like I said, he was like an uncle to them, you know. And then the other thing that was happening is we, my youngest son, Nolan, had to have spinal cord surgery, which was incredible. Like, we have incredible healthcare. He had incredible doctors. Um, we're very thankful. But we were in a season of years of recovery for him. He was in occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, and physical therapy. So it was just this season where, like, heaven met hell all at once. And I, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time, Kenny, like I, you know, almost over 30 years now, I've been walking with Jesus. And it's not like I've never been through hard seasons, but something about all of that hitting at once, it was the first time in my walk with God where I was like, I, I wasn't, you know, rising above and I, I wasn't finding strength in him to, you know, more than conquer. I was just suffering. And the first time I was like, all right, I'm praying, but I don't know if I'm praying through the ceiling fan. Like, this is just ridiculous. And um, I did not know what to do about it, honestly. 
Um, I didn't want to walk away from faith. Like that was not a choice for me. Like, no, I, I, I want to endure, but I didn't really know how to move from like this kind of really dark season back to a place of hope. And um, I ended up, God is good, <laughs> because I ended up um, going to a concert one night in the city, a girlfriend invited me. And um, I write about this in the book, so I won't say too much about it, but we sat down at the theater, this is in the middle of this really crazy emotional season for me, um, sat down in the theater and the lights went dim um, almost as soon as we walked in and this choir walked on stage and they were in these really dark robes and they started singing this really depressing, low, slow funeral song. And, <laughs> excuse me, um, the mood in the theater, which was like excited, and we were all ready for the concert to start, it really shifted and kind of became dark and depressing. And I turned to my friend and I was like, I don't know if I can be here right now. Like there's too many emotions happening. What I didn't realize is that um, there was another choir actually planted in the audience. And they, um, in the middle of this like depressing song being sung, this other choir stood up and they began singing this hopeful, joyful, triumphant song. And so you're still listening to the depressing song and still hearing it, but suddenly the entire audience's focus shifted to the hopeful song and the joyful song, and it grew louder and louder. And it was this really powerful moment for me personally, where I felt like God was saying to me, Aubrey, this is what I do. In the middle of your darkest times, I don't need you to avoid me. I don't need you to avoid your pain, but I need you to listen for the fact that I am singing a louder song over your suffering. And it's a song of hope and renewal and restoration. And that moment really led me on a journey of lament. And I began to research like the biblical lamenters, those songs in the scripture. I began to research the spiritual discipline of lament. And really, um, God, over the next three years, walked me through this really beautiful journey of learning what it meant to cry out to him in my pain, but also listen for his louder song over my pain. And that's ultimately what the book is about. It's about the theological, spiritual practice of lament. And it's really written for anyone who has been in a dark, hurting season. And my, my hope and my prayer is that they know that they're not alone and that they endure, that they don't walk away from Jesus, but they find him right in the midst of their pain. Man, that is awesome and beautiful. And, I, you know, I, as you were just talking, I, literally I got goosebumps because I was oh. I literally thought to myself, you know, this is a lost art in our American church, the idea of mm -hmm. lament. Yes. Like so many churches, the Sunday morning services, I get like we want to celebrate what Jesus did. Absolutely. I'm all yeah. bored with that, of course. I feel like our church, our church services are so celebratory, so happy. So our, in our contemporary attractional church models, a different podcast episode for that, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, but in like, in our desire to be this upbeat and attractional, we, we have, we've lost the art. And I think, I think I've had moments where I've been down and I've had frustrations and hurt mm. and I walk in the church and I'm like, there's nothing here for me. This is too happy. Yes. yes. And I, when I hear you, I, you're walking into a concert going, this moment helps kind of confronts my pain in a way that shows me who God is. Yeah. Man, 
it, that is really, really great. Thank God for that concert. Praise uh, God for that concert. I know. I think about that all the time. I'm like, man, the Lord used that big, uh, big time. But I know, I feel like in the kind of the Western American evangelical church, we have lost the ability to like grieve together. And not that we have to do it all the time, but could we set some times to say, this will be the moment for communal grief. You know, I think yeah. it would make hurting people feel not so lonely and kind of validate like, hey, God is even in our suffering, not just in our celebration. Yeah, man, that's such a great, great point. I, I just want to, anyone, anyone listening to this, if you're a pastor or a church leader, um, there are people in your congregation that need this and don't even realize they need it. And I think what Aubrey just said is a really great bit of wisdom and advice. Um, and then on the individual level, obviously, uh, so Aubrey, what would you hope if someone is reading the louder song, what do you hope they walk away from this book? Well, what's the the primary thing? I know you sort of already mentioned it, but we'd love to hear you talk about that again. Yeah, I, I think um, probably that there's two things. I hope I can say this well, but one, one of the big kind of turning points in my journey is that um, I realized that I was, you've heard other people say this, but it was really profound for me. I realized that I was worshiping Jesus for Jesus and his benefits or Jesus and his blessings. Mm. And um, I had to get to the point where I was willing to say, like, of course, all of the lamenters before us, I will worship Jesus for Jesus alone. And whether it's Jesus and never any blessings or whether it's Jesus and never any always suffering, that's enough for me because he is enough for me. And, and I will allow God to do what God is going to do simply because he is God. And that's enough for me. So I think that's a piece that I want people to learn that, of course, God blesses us and is abundant with us and lavishes love on us. But at the end of the day, our call is to worship God for God's sake alone, not for God and any other reason. You know, so that's that's one thing I hope people move to like a deeper intimacy with him. Um, and then the other thing is I just, and I kind of touched on this before, but I have seen so many of my friends or colleagues hit difficult places and just walk away from God. And I know that's a natural thing. Again, I was like, oh, God, I don't even know if you're real anymore. My hope and prayer is that um, those who are hurting know that they're not alone, um, know that they are actually like, joining the chorus of great sufferers before them and that God is actually doing something in their suffering. Like it's not that Jesus saves us from storms and suffering, but Jesus saves us through our storms and suffering and is actually incarnationally Emmanuel with us. And so ultimately I think that's my second thing is I want people to know that Jesus is in fact with them and they will find on the other side of this intimacy and hope like they never have before if they can endure in Christ. And let me just add one more thing. Yeah. I think also in the kind of the Western evangelical church, we don't always know that it's okay to express our bitterness and our doubts and our anger towards God. I mean, we kind of say that, like I can say anything to God, but really when it comes down to it, we don't know that we have that freedom. And I think that's the other thing that God not only um, allows us to express the full gamut of emotions to him, he actually gives us the biblical language to do that. Like he has given us the gift of lament to say to him, God, I'm feeling all these things. I, I, I invite you into this, please. I'm so desperate. Please do something. And that even that act 
kind of moves God towards us in a really powerful way. Man, that that is so true. That not only that God, not only is God uh, strong enough, potent enough, you know, um, he, he's more than capable of handling us uh, expressing our frustrations and our bitterness and our hurts. He, he can take it. Yeah, uh, he, already, he, he already knows it's there. He can see it in our heads and hearts. We might as well say it out loud to him. Yeah. Um, right. We might as well uh, uh, acknowledge that it's there. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I like that you said not only does he invite it, and not only is he is he capable of handling it, but he actually gives us in the scriptures the tools to how to lament well. Yeah. And, and so I've noticed as I was, I've got a chance to, I've got a copy of your book. I, I will read it in full at some point. I've got a chance to read, uh, you know, the, the forward and the opening chapter. But as I've, as I've skimmed through it, it looks like you've got different structures. Like it almost seems like you've got different types of laments or different people's laments. Yeah. Can you explain to us that structure a little bit you got there. Yeah, I, I would love to. Um, so I talk about various expressions of lament in the book. I think it's chapter two or three, I can't remember. But, um, <coughs> excuse me, these of course aren't like every structure of lament that exists, but throughout the Bible we find different expressions of lament, like there's shalom laments where ultimately um, the biblical writers are just reacting to the absence of God's goodness. Like, God, where are you? You're supposed to be all these things, but I'm not experiencing them right now. Um, God, you've described yourself as one thing, but my life and my community and my city are revealing something different. Like, please, God, show yourself again. And then there's Exodus laments, which actually the majority of laments throughout scripture kind of follow an Exodus pattern where, you know, we're in pain, right? And we cry out to God. God responds and moves us to a place of hope. Mm. Um, and kind of moves us out of our pain, right? Just like he did for the Israelites. There's protest laments, which are some of the most popular laments, or prophetic laments, they're also called. But this is literally where we're crying out to God to be a judge. Like, God, you see this injustice, you see the evil happening. And it's not just personal. Like, you see the evil happening to my community, to my city, to my nation. Please do something about this. You're the only judge who actually can. And then, of course, for the for the Christian person, there's the repentant laments where we're just, you know, like Isaiah, woe to me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips mm. um, where we're really just reflecting on our own sinfulness in, face of, in the face of God's holiness and goodness. And so I do, I, I have laments by David, I have laments by Isaiah, laments by Job, laments by Hannah, um, other laments throughout the entire book just so we can kind of because again it's sort of a lost art so we can get our handhold around what different laments look like what they express how we can even ex begin to craft our own laments um so that we can begin expressing those things to god and one of the other things i talk about is that all laments really move from the question of how um to uh, yet like uh uh, Jeremiah in Lamentations like declares his yet, right? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And then they move to a place of with where we understand that God is actually with us in our laments. Man, that is so, so powerful. Uh, this is such a unique concept. I think I ate, I was in a meeting yesterday, actually, just thinking about uh, you know this interview today. And I, I ran a thought by some guys that I work with and I said, have you guys ever read a book, any sort of contemporary book 
by a Christian. It talks about the concept of lament. I was talking about this. I said, hey, my, my friend Arby wrote this book, and I was telling him a little bit about it. And and all of them, I mean, there were probably eight people in the meeting, and they all were shaking their head going, no, no. Oh, wow. never, like, I mean, <laughs> these are not like random, like people who have no, know nothing about church leadership. These are people who have been a part of church leadership for years and years. Mm. And if they've never heard about it, then most Christians probably have never heard about it. Um, yeah, I, I think some people some Christians don't even know like what lament is, which really is just a crying out to God, you know? Yeah, man, this is really, really great. As you were talking about the different types of, of laments, I was thinking even in my own life personally, uh, I had some, uh, I had some frustrations with, with a particular group of people that really, I felt hurt me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I remember going through the Psalms, uh, a while back and I came across, um, at the time I didn't know what they were called. I now know they're called the imprecatory Psalms. Yep. And I know you, I know you touch on those in the book. Uh, as I was skimming, I saw that my favorite Psalm in that season of my life was Psalm 109, where David is saying, God, strike those people, you know, when they pray, maybe, maybe held against them. Do not, <laughs> yeah. do not answer their prayers, Lord. You know, may even their good be counted as wickedness against them. Like, like he's asking God to rain down the, the, the junk on these people. He's yep. taken off. Yeah. And I'm like, God, why is this in the Bible? This is strange. <laughs> But, but as I read, and I, I'm not saying it's it's not okay to pray for stuff yeah. to write. That's not the goal. But I, it was uh, this was David. This was David's heart. It's how he felt. Yes. Um, particularly toward the, toward his enemies in this season of life who were coming against yeah. him, and it felt like all of a sudden I felt in my heart this almost like I resonated with David, and it unlocked mm -hmm. something. And all of a sudden it was healing. I'm like, oh, yeah. and it actually that reading that Psalm, memorizing it, thinking about it actually helped me to forgive those who hurt me. And that's what the lament did in my heart. And mm -hmm. so this is before I, and like, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had had this book, this would have been so helpful to help me <laughs> to give me more tools. And this is why I think people need to get a copy of it and yeah. really learn how to lament well. Yeah. That's so powerful, Kenny. And it's yeah. so honest, right? I mean, David wasn't afraid to express even that stuff that we're like, oh no, we shouldn't, we should, ah, ah, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> But how God so, use that, you know, for you. I think that's so powerful. Um, okay, I got there's a quote here that I underline and I want to ask you just unpack it uh, for a moment. On page five, this is um, early in the book, you say, but grief won't be contained. Grief won't stay hidden. Grief explodes. Though I know this, I try anyway. I try to contain pain with pith. Um, help us understand why grief, why grief won't be contained and why it's kind of a, a, why this is detrimental to us if we attempt to contain it. Yeah. I, I, um, that's such a good question, Kenny. I, um, somewhere else in the book, I can't remember exactly where it is, but I talk about how you can try to, you can try to hide all your like dirty laundry or your garbage in the attic, but sooner or later your house is going to start stinking, right? Getting stinky yep. because ultimately Grief is such a powerful emotion. I mean, like my, my grandmother just passed away a couple weeks ago and she was 90. It, it wasn't a tragic death. It was one of those, like she died at home. It was the best death there is. But the, the pain of her loss still hits me in random places. Like, I, you know, I'll all of a sudden be like toasting waffles and the smell of the waffles reminds me of eating waffles at her house when I was a little girl and I'm sitting in my kitchen sobbing, you know? Grief is such a powerful it. emotion that we it's just so don't, true. Yeah, we don't. We have no control over when it's going to hit us or how yeah. it's going to hit us, right? Because sometimes yep. grief will hit you like you're so ticked off and you're mad at the world and you don't know why and you're like, oh, it's because I'm 
I'm grieving the loss of this relationship over here, or I, you know what I mean? Um, but I think we tend to want to pretend like everything's okay because we're Christians and God is good, or we just avoid pain. And of course, mm. that only leads to like addiction or hiding, or you know that that's where, of course, the the garbage in the attic gets real stinky. And soon I think it controls us, right? If we hide from it um, or if we try to control it and contain it and pretend like everything's okay. Um, and then it just becomes more of a mess than I actually think it needs to. But I, I do think if, I mean, the hard part is you have to live your life. Like, especially if you're a, a working person or you have a family, you still have to be able to go about your life. But I think just to give ourselves permission to say, I'm grieving today. You know, I'm a human being. Like, I actually have these emotions. God, I'm grieving today. I invite you into this. What is the invitation in grief today? Can you meet me here? Um, yeah. I just think that's a really powerful step in growing as mature, whole human beings. It's a powerful step in compassion for ourselves and even for other people who are grieving. And it's a powerful step in our relationship with God, of course, as we sense and draw near in our grief. Man, that is so so true. I, I, it's funny the way, the way you just said that. I it, it made me chuckle because I just realized how frequently that happens. Where <laughs> I'll interact with something that's so seemingly random mm -hmm. and seemingly almost disconnected so frequently, and I'm like, why does this trigger in me something? Mm. And, and and you realize you are grieving, and so frequently I know my um. My inclination, and I'm sure that's the case for, for the same for a lot of people, is to is to I'm the leader, so I gotta hide it. I gotta, mm. you know, I, I gotta be strong for other people. Mm. And it's the it's actually the exact opposite. Yeah. Uh, man, this is really, really great. Um, Aubrey Sams, okay, two two quick questions um before I let you go. Number one, the first one um is what was your favorite chapter to write and why? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um <clears throat> gonna skim through the book and see my favorite chapter i think probably there's a chapter chapter eight learning to say yet um and i mean there this is a hard this was a hard book to write because it's an emotional book yeah. so it's not like any of these were like oh i'm so happy to write this but this chapter was powerful because it was um it's really the moment when my own my own laments moved from, I was just asking God, God, how could you, God, how dare you, God, why is this happening, God, where are you? And this is the chapter where I moved to um, kind of declaring like my paradigm shift. Like even if God never changes this, yet I will worship him. Mm. Um, and so that was a that was a powerful one to write because it was, I mean, as I was writing, I was almost like redeclaring it to myself. Like I, I will continue to choose to put my faith in God, no matter what. I'm going to trust God no matter what he gives and no matter what he takes. Um, and it, it was, uh, it's the moment where I think for any of us who are in a lament season where our suffering actually births a more genuine faith than we've had maybe even before we were in a, a time of pain and so that it was again a hard chapter to write but a really good chapter to sort of like nail my faith in the ground like no i will choose god no matter what and then just to remember like 
God is so gracious and God does meet us in our pain. And, and though he feels absent, he's actually very, very present with us. Mm. That is, uh, that's absolutely fantastic. I love, you know, as you're talking, just thinking about biblical characters, I think about Mary, who is yeah. having this moment, just young girl, girl about to get pregnant, or who she got, she's going to conceive the, 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 the Messiah. And she's saying, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Like, like even no matter how crazy the scenario is, no matter <laughs> know what I what like, okay, God, like we, we trust you. And it's obviously easier said than done. Yeah. That is the greatest thing that we can do. Yeah. Man, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Arby, last question this is the simple one. Um, I, I highly recommend people get a copy of the book um, and we'll be giving away copies. Um, but if anyone wants to connect with you, they want to follow what you're doing, uh, Twitter, blog, whatever, what's the best way for them to, to follow all things Aubrey Sampson? Yes, please follow all things Aubrey Sampson. <laughs> I love interacting with people. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Aubsamp, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. Have a website, AubreySampson.com, where my articles are there and books are there and speaking that I do is there as well. And then I have a Facebook author page, which is just Aubrey Sampson. So I would love to connect with you. Absolutely. Love it, love it, love it. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of the book. Check out Aubrey's stuff. And we'll make sure we'll have all that stuff linked up in the show notes for this episode at our website, TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com. Uh, Aubrey Sampson, this has been a blast. This is great content. Thank you so much for investing in the audience. Thank you, Kenny. You're so awesome. I appreciate you having me. And there you have it, my interview with Aubrey Sampson. I believe that content was fantastic and hope it was helpful for you and it'll be a resource to you. Uh, the topic of lament is something that we don't really talk about. It's not something that's written about extensively, at least not in contemporary uh, Christian settings and, and contemporary Christian contexts. Um, and the idea of lament is something that I think is it grossly misunderstood or people just have never heard of it or they don't know how to do it. And I thought Aubrey's insights uh, were really, really helpful in terms of pointing us to appropriate lament, biblical lament, and helping us understand how it's helpful to us uh, in our everyday lives. So uh, again, I hope that was helpful to you. And if you feel like you need to dig in more, I would highly, highly encourage you uh, to check out uh, Aubrey's book. Get a copy of it, The, the Louder Song. Uh, you can find it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Um, you can also head to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. You can look at the show notes for this episode, and there'll be links there uh, both for where you can buy the book on Amazon as well as links to Aubrey's personal website, and you can also find out some more information about her there. So feel free to find her online and check out her stuff there. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I am so, so thankful that you allow uh, me and, and the people I bring on the podcast to have a voice in your life and you allow us to influence you. I, I hope this is a great resource to you. If you have a question or a topic that you want me to address on the show, or if you know someone that you think would be a great interview guest, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. The best address is... Hey Ortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H E Y O R T I Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Or you can find me on Twitter. I love the tweet and I love connecting with people on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K E N N E T H O R T I Z. Hey, if you haven't done it yet, 
please head on over to whatever podcast player or directory you're familiar with while you're listening to this in, and please leaving a rating or review. Please let the world know you love the podcast. Great reviews and ratings are a big, big help as they allow us to get into the feeds of more and more people as people are searching for things like theology and relevant topics. So head on over and leave us a great rating, great review. That's a big, big help to the show. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.